And join us now to catch up on all the things going on here in Sun Devil Nation. Some big news swirling around is a legendary guest, and I understand that it's a bit of a milestone appearance. Is that correct, Brad? Joe, as of today, Hode has made a very nice number of appearances on our show. Ha! Nice. So, for the 69th time, apparently, of Devil's Digest, Hode Urbino. Hode, appreciate you coming on tonight. Not a problem. I guess uh, by the appearance figure, I can really have to uh, try hard to keep this clean. So let's go. <laughs> After hours, yeah. <laughs> All right, Hode. So kind of you know starting off, looking back immediately at uh, you know the spring practices that just wrapped up this uh, Sunday. You know, kind of in a broad sense, who do you feel were some of kind of the biggest winners? And then on the flip side, some of the the maybe not losers, but some of the guys that maybe didn't have as strong as showings as they had hoped. Well, I'll tell you, Brad. I think that uh, when you deal with such a veteran. A squad like Arizona State, uh, you might take some players in some positions for granted, and you're really trying to see who the newcomers, who the seldom-used players are, the ones that, 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 that really stepped up. So if I'm just going, um, you know, which position was more impressive or less impressive, I mean, I would say that uh, the offensive line and the um, and the running game uh, really, for the most part, for the practices that I observed, and as you know, like yourself, Brad, I wasn't able to go to all 15 practices, but from what I observed, I think those uh, two bread-and-butter uh, positions, if you will, for the Arizona State offense uh, really, really did perform at a high level uh, for the most part. Obviously, uh, ASU is uh, one, one of the tallest um, orders they needed to uh, figure out in the spring was going to be the starting center position with Kate Cote, the starter from last year, deciding not to uh, return uh, for another year. So Donovan West, who uh, some uh, may have already forgotten, that actually uh, did start his two games, as, two first games of the Sun Devil as a true freshman at center, uh, reassumed re- uh, that, that, that role in spring. And I'm not going to say it was a performance that was uh, devoid of, of any hiccups or anything like that, but I think for the most part, uh, Donovan West did perform pretty well at center. I think it's important to see him take that next step in terms of consistency in fall camp. But, uh, but I think uh, that's uh, one maybe position that, that you really, really would be on the lookout. And, again, I just think the offensive line and the running game as a whole definitely performed at the level that, that you expected them. If I'm staying on that side of the ball, and maybe not really labeling a position as a disappointment, but I think one position that I talked a lot about uh, going into spring and really – even wrapping up the 2020 season that really needed to step step up and really show that uh, uh, progress was going to be the passing game as a whole. And even though I think that collectively it really is a very talented group of wide receivers for the Sun Devils, we just didn't see that explosiveness. We didn't see Jenny Daniels out there just uh, peppering the field uh, with passes and with, with impressive plays that his wideouts uh, were, were executing. So I'm not going to call that entire aspect a total failure or anything like that, but I think that I would probably speak for for a lot of the ASU coaches and probably the fans that maybe were there uh, to witness uh, Sunday's morning goal practice that we probably wanted to see just a little more of that passing game uh, really take, take that next step. And granted, it is a complex system that offensive coordinator Zach Hill does employ, and I know that uh, they're trying to achieve that balance between still being very creative what they're trying to do, but also not uh, trying to put too much on their plate. 
and I think that it's still going to be a work in progress uh, when it comes to this passing game really playing at a high level, but uh, fall camp is definitely going to be crucial for that specific aspect of the ASU offense to really take that next step to really show that growth from 2020 and, frankly, just the growth from spring practice to fall camp. Uh, when you look at the defense, uh, I, it's, there's no question in my mind that the back seven, just like last year, extremely solid, just proven players uh, up and down, really, really, really good depth. But the defensive line, is, it's really an incomplete grade. And, and granted, this defensive line played very well in 2020, and I'm sure you would agree with me that definitely was the bright spot um, of, of the entire team. But it really is an incomplete grade that you have to give uh, this front four for Arizona State because, by my count, uh, just in the maroon and gold practice on Sunday, there were six defensive linemen uh, missing in action. Uh, most of them did not uh, even um, practice one down uh, the, the, the entire spring. So I'm not necessarily saying it's an area of concern, but I think just like the passing game, uh, I'm sure the coaching staff is really anxious to see uh, this group uh, healthy, playing at a higher level, maybe even improving over over 2020. And again, it wasn't a bad season for this front four at all. But um, we, we obviously all know that uh, any any defense is going to go as as far as the defensive line defensive line is going to take him. And I don't think again it was um, an area of great concern or, or great weakness uh, throughout spring practice. But again, just one area that you just really hard to get really a, a true grasp or to read of how good uh, they are and you really like to see fall camp a more complete picture and really just answering any questions uh, that may linger from spring practice so going back to the wide receivers of course that was really the number one position group that folks are going to keep an eye on for the spring since you mentioned that there's still work left to be done what does that group need to do from the offseason at this point before the season opener begins for that to be a position that that has some strength for this for this team. Well, I think Joe, it's just really just a matter of uh, the wide receivers just under, understanding the scheme uh, more and more. I mean, let's not forget it really is a fairly young group. Again, dealing with a scheme that is definitely more complex, more creative than than the scheme of Zach Hill's uh, uh, predecessor. This is a wide receiver group that really is not just being very robotic in, in running a dig route or a post route, but rather running a route, reading the defense while they're running the route, and then adjusting accordingly, which obviously also requires Jaden Daniels, whoever's going to be the quarterback, to also adjust, uh, adjust on their end. And look, I don't know if you call it a caveat or an excuse, but this wide receiver group for Arizona State every day in practice is going against, I think, the best secondary in the, in, in the entire Pac-12. So they definitely have their hands, hands full on, on, on each and every snap. But I just feel being, being more consistent, really understanding the scheme um, um, more, and, more and more, and also really staying healthy. I mean, there were some injuries and absences here and there. I mean, like guys, guys like, like Ricky Parasol, who I think uh, his value for this uh, group is, you know, much higher than, than people may think. Him, you know, him, him not uh, practicing for the second, second half of the, the second half of the spring uh, really did hurt that group. Uh, Chad Johnson Jr., who I thought really showed a lot of flashes in the beginning of spring, not being able to practice the second half, uh, also was uh, somewhat, uh, somewhat detrimental just for the collective performance of this group. But I think uh, we're seeing uh, some consistency from uh, L.B. Bunkley-Shelton, Elijah Badger, who generated a lot of buzz 
uh, last year, even though I was a, even though he redshirted, uh, definitely um, did have uh, more than just a few flashes over there. I think Johnny Wilson um, was flashing uh, was flashing here and there, but I just don't know if the all the wide receivers behind them were as as consistent. Were showing really really as much promise. So I think it's really under, understanding uh, understanding the scheme better, but also just just really just being more consistent and just really bringing bringing more to the table when actually making plays. Uh, what we saw on Sunday were, uh, were, were quite, quite a few drops, something I really didn't see a whole lot in the spring. But uh, but again, I, I just feel that going against a very tough uh, defensive back group you hope makes them better uh, as the 2021 season kicks off. But uh, I would say right here, right now, uh, in practice and specifically in fall camp, uh, those wide receivers are going to really have to do a much better job in, in, in separation and reading the defense on, on every given snap. Now you brought up the topic of injuries. Of course, every spring that's the number one goal is to uh, avoid injuries and get healthy in cases where guys come in with some bumps and bruises. Uh, are there, If we take inventory of where things are right now on the roster, any injuries that currently are the case that you imagine to last long and deep into when we're talking about fall camp? No, honestly, I really haven't heard of uh, any injuries that I could uh, point right now as having a probability, let alone a great probability, of really lingering and affecting somebody's performance uh, uh, come, um, come August. I think that that's maybe one of the benefits of really wrapping up uh, spring practice uh, by the end of March. Uh, so you give uh, players an, an extra few weeks uh, to, to, to heal up. I mean, there's some uh, some teams in the Pac-12 that just started uh, spring practice uh, this this week, and obviously the downside of that is exactly what, what you're talking about. If an injury is suffered in spring practice, let alone at the tail end of spring practice, well, now when you talk about an injury, let's say let, let's say uh, let's say taking place uh, the end end of April or even maybe the beginning of May. And, and I think UCLA is, is one team that's actually going to practice some, um, some weeks in May. Uh, so now b- between that between that date and the first week of August, when fall camp would start across the board for all Pac-12 teams, now you're really talking about, in some cases, possibly having uh, that uh, that danger of being limited, let alone missing fall fall camp. But no, right now there's no um, injury out there, uh, to, to my knowledge, that really should um, should should really hold back any player from any player from participating in fall camp. So uh, they, they did they did come out healthy, uh, no COVID issues, according to uh, defensive coordinator Antonio Pierce, who talked to the media after the uh, Moon and Gold practice on Sunday. So uh, I, I would say that um, in terms of really coming out of spring uh, healthy, which is really one of the, one of the primary goals of every, at any coaching staff, not only ASU's, I think the Sun Devils were able to achieve that. Now, there's always some degree of roster churn uh, for programs after spring practices and into the, the summer months. How much are you expecting in the way of departures from uh, the Arizona State program? I don't think, Brad, we're going to see more than a handful or so players uh, departing. And it's really a delicate dynamic because sometimes you're just uh, talking about a coach, quote-unquote, advising Player X or Player Y that it really would be in their best interest to look uh, for a different program, and sometimes a player would just read the tea leaves, maybe not wait for that conversation with their position coach, and uh, just to, just decide uh, to, to, leave, to leave on their own. Um, I will say, in general, I mean, without getting into specifics or names, because I don't know if those conversations even t- took place yet. That uh, once all the offensive linemen arrive uh in in the summer from from this recruiting class you're going to have 19 players 
on on scholarship on that position alone, and that's a position that at 15 uh, feels that it's really full to the rim, if, if you will, when 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 it comes to depth. So I think if you're looking at departures again without naming specific names or anything, that is one position that I'm, that I'm going to look at uh, for the, for possible departures up, possible possible attrition uh, in the weeks uh, between now and and fall camp. So staying on the general topic of roster acquisitions now that spring's come and gone. How likely do you think it is that ASU will be active in the transfer portal as far as acquiring, you know, further immediate additions to this roster between now and fall camp? I think that uh, they definitely want to look for another, for another tight end. Um, their depth right now is just okay at, at that position. So if they can find a tight end that they know can be an immediate help and it may even just be a grad transfer, just to, you know, rent, rent a player. Because, um, you know, a topic that I'm sure we're going to talk about after the season ends is roster management in, in 2022. Because now, when everybody got an extra year, extra year of eligibility and uh, the, the, the number of seniors uh, that you have uh, staying, staying on board obviously gives you that uh, one-time exemption being over 85 scholarship players. But now... For the 2022 season, you need to bring it down to to, to 85, which goes back to your earlier earlier point about attrition. That sometimes uh, the attrition could be a little harsher, uh, for for lack of a better term, to, to, just just to get to that 85 number. So I don't think ASU is going to be out there um, just acquiring transfers uh, left and right. They're going to be very very methodical. I think that again, tight end is one position uh, that uh, we should be on the lookout as far as adding. Maybe another pass rusher, uh, but I think that would be secondary tight end. Again, the position has okay depth. Uh, we know that uh, Zach Hill uh, wants to implement the tight end in the passing game more and more. We saw that uh, uh, really uh, being 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 put to proof uh, with the two touchdowns that that um, that Jalen Conyers uh, scored on Sunday. So uh, that is uh, one position that I would look for ASU uh, to, to increase depth. And at this point, uh, they can only do it through the transfer market. Now, Pride's quarterback recruit, A.J. Duffy, was in Tempe for the uh, final spring practice, and he had previously announced that he would make his college commitment on March 31st. However, he has since indicated that it's going to be delayed. Now, ASU fans being ASU fans, some might take that as a terrible sign. Uh, should they take that as kind of a, a, a things going in the wrong way, or is ASU still kind of in the mix? ASU right now, Brad, as of, March 30th at uh, nine o'clock in the evening are, are still are still the mix are still uh, in my opinion is his ultimate uh, d- d- destination. I think that uh, AJ Duffy right now is just uh, conflicted. I'm not saying that he doesn't like ASU. I'm not saying ASU stock has gone down uh, by any means, but uh, he is determined, and he actually uh, has a blog on uh, on SI.com. Uh, that um, explains uh, his thought process, saying that as much as he likes ASU, he still does need more time. The two uh, competitors right now for for ASU uh, and, and for Duffy Services are Florida State, a team that he's going to visit on April 10th, and uh, Michigan State, who's going to visit on April 24th. So if you're to believe that A.J. Duffy is not going to make a decision before he visits those, those uh, two schools, then we're probably looking at the last week of April at at the earliest uh, until until it makes a decision. But uh, talking to individuals close to recruitment uh, right now, ASU is still in, in, in a very, very, very good spot. 
Um, I don't think he would uh, visited ASU uh, this past weekend for the Maroon Gold practice if they were distant second or distant third to whatever other suitor is, is out there. Um, it's just an exercise in patience, and I think AJ, AJ Duffy, with his uh, skill set, what he can bring to the table, and really, uh, in my opinion, if he did uh, commit to Arizona State, uh, would be the clubhouse the, the clubhouse leader to uh, succeed. Uh, Jaden Daniels, um, I think uh, that um, he's definitely going to be worth the wait. He's definitely testing everybody's patience. I do get that, but I think right now ASU is still is still in a good place, and uh, hopefully for the Sun Devils, uh, that's still going to be the case after he uh, concludes uh, those uh, two visits I just mentioned. Now, as we shift our focus to the fall, question that's on everybody's mind, topic on everybody's mind is uh, fan attendance. So, based on what you know right now, and maybe what your gut's telling you, what do you think that? Uh, the stadium will look like for ASU this fall? Well, I'm not saying that um, other teams in the Valley will necessarily dictate that for ASU, but just earlier today, Joe, uh, the Diamondbacks announced that they're going to have uh, 20,000 um, fans uh, in, in attendance, or at least that's the capacity that's going to be for their for the for the season opener, I believe um, uh, Chase Field these days is just around forty five thousand or so. So that puts it roughly at fifty percent. So I will, would absolutely be floored if ASU would um, really uh, limit capacity under fifty percent. I think fifty percent for the season opener uh, for the Sun Devils against Southern Utah. That that's definitely something that that's very very reasonable. I'd like to think it might go up to uh, to uh, 75%, uh, but um, I think it might be somewhat unrealistic. And then again, this is just my opinion. I'm not, um, you know, getting into any any rabbit holes over here in, t- in terms of the COVID situation, what it is and what it isn't. And this is not a criticism on Arizona, on Arizona State or the powers to be that that are going to decide this. Um, but I think it might be. Unrealistic. Uh, it'll be unrealistic to think that it would, would be allowing 100% capacity uh, for the season opener. I think 50% is something that you, you can definitely take to the bank, and I think it might go up even even to 75%. That's uh, you know from, from what I'm hearing and, and just making my you know most educated guess um, at this point at the end of March is what uh, um, things are going to look like uh, come August and September. Now switching gears to basketball, it's been a pretty active time for Bobby Hurley's team. Uh, of course, the disappointing end of the season, but there's been some real positive uh, news as of late with a big-time commitment uh, from a, a finally a big man, uh, and then a couple of high-profile transfers. Uh, I know you've been covering uh, it very well on devilsdigest.com, but just kind of a high-level view, what is the Sun Devil program gonna, is getting in these three players? Sure. Um, I think uh, that it's no um, really big, you know, big secret or revelation that, that ASU really had to increase their front court depth. They really had to increase their the, 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 the rebound abilities, and um, you know, ironically, with all the expected um, departures of Remy Martin, Alonzo Verge, Josh Christopher, Marcus Bagley, and Kimani Lawrence, with the last two players may, may have um, you know a chance of actually returning, but I don't think ASU really lost uh, not much in rebounding uh, capabilities, and it was really a team that uh, was uh, close, I believe, to minus eight uh, rebounding average this past season. So uh, that's uh, one area that definitely needed to improve, and uh, they definitely started uh, the big splash in that area uh, with um, a a high-caliber center from Canada, uh, Enoch uh, Bauchi, and yes, I did practice this before, 
I started the interview with you guys. Uh, six six ten at two hundred fifty five pounds. Uh, definitely the most physical front court player that Bobby Hurley has landed uh, in, the, in, in his tenure in Tempe. Uh, somebody who uh, is a, a pure post player, but also a player that really has been able to to be more well rounded uh, with, with with his jump shot, and uh, just immediately uh, he he gives you that 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 post presence uh, that um, definitely definitely uh, on paper should be able to improve the rebounding capabilities of, of, of ASU that much more. So that was a huge, huge get uh, for Arizona State. And uh, good to see that after landing uh, Lou Dort um, a, a couple of years ago, they go back into Canada and arguably get uh, the best Canadian uh, player um, of, of their class. Uh, they, they followed that up uh, just a day later with uh, Robert Morris, a forward transfer, A.J. Brahma. He does have uh, one year of eligibility left, but uh, I think uh, – for ASU, that that definitely definitely was a a really a really big um a big commitment uh, for them. Um, he was very impressive in just uh, 12 games uh, last year for the Colonials, averaging 21 points and and 10.3 rebounds, shooting at a at a over over 51 percent clip. Uh, somebody who again just just by the sheer numbers that he put up uh, can be another uh, rebounding asset for, for Arizona State and, and somebody that really could be a score uh, from that from the, from that wing position, which again um, maybe Marcus Bagley comes back, maybe Kimani Lawrence comes back, but in the event that either, that neither of them come back, um, the, he definitely cannot can, can slide in and 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 fill that role as uh, again a wing player. That can be both a good score and a good, a good score and a good rebounder, and just by the fact that you get just getting get, get us a veteran player on a team that I really I think is still pretty young, um, that, um, that definitely is another aspect uh, to consider over here, and um, maybe um, you know some, somewhat of a surprise uh, a day later getting getting another transfer, a sophomore from Boston College, Jay Heath actually uh, led. Uh, the Eagles in scoring uh, last year with with, with 14.5 points um, as a freshman, uh, he he was one of the best um, uh, new, newcomers in the ACC, but both both in scoring and also in uh, three point shooting. I made uh, 65 uh, uh, three pointers as a freshman, and just uh, one of those situations where uh, just playing for a really really bad program, but uh, was uh, definitely one of the uh, b- better players uh, for the for the struggling Eagles. And uh, was was really looking for just um, a new and a new start somewhere, and and somebody that um, you know whether you could say can fill the fill the role of Alonzo Verge or or, the, or Remy Martin. It's really up to you, but uh, to, to decide. But nonetheless, uh, somebody um, who who, uh, who definitely could be a point guard, maybe be asked to play play more of a combo guard uh, with you know with Holland Woods uh, coming back next year, but uh, a, a more a more physical guard, which I think that's different. Than uh, guys like Ray Martin and, and, and Alonzo Verge, and uh, that is also a really, really, a really significant pickup. Not that the um, backcourt for ASU was uh, was really hurting that much, because I think Luther Muhammad, the uh, transfer from Ohio State, who, who did uh, who did sit out last year, not because he had to, but just because he was recovering from a shoulder injury, I think is also uh, somebody who uh, who can really make an impact. But uh, but to have somebody like Jay Heath, even he ends up uh, actually coming off the bench. I think is just um, a really added added proven score for Arizona State. So um, I think uh, all in all, uh, this past weekend um, has definitely uh, changed the outlook on on this Arizona State team, uh, being able to replenish um, the, the the players that, that departed, and um, 
as some of you might already follow on social media, Kimani Lawrence, uh, who is technically an outgoing senior from last year, is dropping some heavy hints about coming back. So I would definitely uh, put uh, his return right now uh, to the Sun at, at, at over 50%. So, uh, you know, that would, that would definitely just bolster the depth uh, that much more. And because, much like football, so basketball is going to get uh, that roster exemption, over 13 scholarship players, so actually uh, Kimani Lawrence coming back won't even cost you a, 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 a scholarship uh, spot. And again, for a team that's uh, fairly young, uh, just to have an, an added veteran coming back uh, would be huge. And um, Marcus Bagley um, is probably more of a bigger question than Josh Christo, w- whether he will or not declare uh, for the NBA draft. Uh, I know the deadline is, is sometime in May, so we may not know for sure um, for a good you know, may, a month and a half at, at, at this point. But uh, I have been hearing uh, you know, quite a bit of whispers for several weeks now that uh, Marcus Bagley coming back uh, for another year for the Sun Devils is definitely not far-fetched and uh, maybe a scenario that should not shock anybody at this point. So, you know, at minimum, if Kimani Lawrence is, is the one uh, coming back between the two, that uh, really can help Arizona State uh, uh, quite a bit on next, next year. But uh, if Kimani Lawrence and Marcus Bagley come uh, coming back, then I think you do have a genuine um, reason to be excited about the Sun Devil team. I know it was a team that had a lot of lofty expectations uh, last season and didn't even come close to, uh, to, to, to fulfilling them. But I just feel that um, after uh, everything that had suffered from last year, that, that, that is due for a break. And uh, if they can get both Kimani Lawrence and Marcus Bagley back, along with all the new additions uh, that, that I mentioned, uh, this could be uh, maybe an Arizona State team that uh, could surprise in the 21-22 season. As you mentioned, ASU, of course, had a disappointing end to the season, or actually a disappointing season from start to finish, really. Um, but, you know, of course, with this positive momentum with these three incoming players, how was Bobby Hurley able to kind of, you know, sell the program, you know, coming off a, a bad season, uh, and share his vision and, you know, uh, get these guys to commit to Tempe? Yeah, that's an excellent question, Brad, because uh, Enoch Bauchi actually said in his interview that, you know, he watched some Arizona State games uh, this past season, and and he he saw the glaring need for a true post player. This is nothing against Jalen Graham, who, by the way, as we know, battled mono and wasn't even there for, wasn't even there and available for the entire season, but uh, just rebounding and and a true paint presence, that was an issue for for Arizona State, and he he identified uh, that need, and he knows that he's both wanted and needed at, at, at Arizona State. And I think that the departure of Romello White prior to, uh, the, uh, not to, to, the, to, the, to the 2021 season um, was definitely something that blindsided ASU, but the, but the comments that Romello White did make in the past of not being that much involved uh, in the game and that led to his departure, I, I think that Bobby Hurley um, and their staff will try to keep uh, that, that balance, uh, you know, with the inside-outside game, if you will, more, more more in check, and not to have an issue where somebody who I think is even more talented than Romello White in, in Balchi would have the same sentiments throughout the season, let alone let alone at the end of the season. So, um, so the fact that um, that 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 happened with Romello White, you know, may be a blessing in disguise in terms of Bobby Hurley really really changing his philosophy. I don't think personally that the guard you uh, approach, if you will, was was always something that, that benefited ASU. Sure, it definitely had its spots, but in terms of consistent success, um, it, it definitely it definitely could, uh, could come into question. And I think when we saw 
that uh, squad the year after Guard U with with, with Zylan Cheatham and, and with Lou Dort. Um, it, it was a, it was just a, a team that just seemed much 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 more well rounded and not to harp on the rebounding issue, but in that year, uh, the lone season I should say, where both Cheatham and Dort uh, were in the starting lineup, rebounding was was not an issue at all. Uh, for the Sun Devils, and I think uh, Bobby Hurley and his staff would like to get back to that um, uh, make make up and, 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 and style of play. And with the players that, that they added, uh, I, I think uh, that, that there's definitely something that is uh, more, more, more achievable um, at, at this point than it would be with, without those additions. So, you know, that, that, that's something I would look for. And again, when, when I talk about the staff, um, re- replacing uh, Bobby Hurley's uh, right-hand man, Rashawn Bruno, is going to be crucial. Um, I'm really curious to see what hire Bobby Hurley makes, and maybe there's going to be more than one assistant that that's going to be added to the mix, and uh, that uh, in and itself can really maybe also change the philosophy, introduce some more concepts uh, and different concepts to, to, to Bobby Hurley, uh, to, just to have him play uh, with, with with a different approach and one that's really going to be more conducive to to the personnel they're going to have. And I know that uh, ASU fans were really. Uh, com- uh, complaining about uh, the lack of physicality, lack l- l- lack of front court depth, and um, and lack of rebounding. But I think with all the pieces that they already have committed right now, with the possibility of Kimani Lawrence and or Marcus Bagley coming back, uh, you're going to see a team that is just, just going to look uh, is, is just going to look and feel different, and uh, might just have a style of play and an overall approach that might be more more conducive to success. And really put um, ASU in the top four in the conference, a position that they were just uh, two, two seasons ago, and uh, obviously were not uh, in that position, not even close in this past campaign. With everything that's gone down the last week with the transfers and commitments, uh, there's a roster move that feels like it was months ago, but it really wasn't that long ago, and that's the uh, the departure announcement of Jalen House. Now, that's a gut punch for a lot of folks, uh, not only because of the presence that he brought the team, but just the legacy that he is for the Sun Devils. So uh, what uh, is the reasoning behind that, and what sort of true impact does it have for this program? Well, I'll tell you what, Joe. I mean, I mean, before this recent additions, and I would say maybe specifically the addition of Jay Heath, uh, I really thought that that might be hard to overcome. I mean, while I, I mean, before the addition of Jay Heath, I did like what it is uh, to the front court and the rebound capabilities. But obviously, Jalen House and the position that he played that really didn't address his departure at all. But uh, but half of my like like Jay Heath uh, definitely uh, compensates, if not more. For the, for the departure of Jalen House, but I agree with you that the optics were tough. Um, any the most objective ASU, ASU fan out there knows that in the last handful or so of games, uh, Jalen House was was in a night out for the Sun Devils. You could you could feel that he was the heart and soul of the team. And if he did come back uh, for the 21-22 season, he would uh, assume that role. And in the end, and his dad, uh, I guess, really adds. But perhaps with the frustration uh, for you know for his departure, it really it really was a lack, lack of playing time. Ellen um, you know, House, objectively, and what he meant to the team in terms of his contribution off the bench for the for the last five games, and really questioned himself. I'm sure he questioned the staff too. Why wasn't I more uh, part of the rotation uh, earlier in the season, especially especially in the season where everybody really was struggling uh, in, in, in the starting lineup? So. I think I think it just really uh, did uh, did come down to that, and, uh, and again I know the optics of his departure are definitely not the most pleasant one, 
but um, not to belabor the point, somebody like like Jay Heath, uh, you're definitely able to 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 compensate for that loss. So uh, I think that while Arizona State would love to have Jalen House uh, still in the fold, um, with the recent addition of Jay Heath, I think they've done that quite well. Of course, you mentioned uh, your outlook on uh, Bagley and Lawrence. Uh, now, if we're just going to throw some names out there to, to get a response, I think we, we all kind of have our feelings. But uh, Josh Christopher, Remy Martin, Alonzo Verge, they all obviously have the ability to return to this program. Any chance that any one of those three or, or more than one happens to play any more games in the Maroon and Gold? Yeah, and I think uh, the ship has definitely sailed with Remy Martin, Alonzo Verge, and Josh Christopher. I it's it's really 99.999% that they're not going to be back uh, for the for next year. Um, again, uh, Kimani Lawrence, I definitely feel feel it's better than a 50% chance. Uh, Marcus Bagley, I would say right now, it's really a 50-50 chance. It really depends on what uh, feedback he gets uh, from the NBA scouts. Obviously, his older older brother Marvin Jr. Uh, being in the NBA uh, may cause some um, sense of urgency, if that makes sense, uh, for Marcus also also to take that next step. But uh, the feedback he's getting from the NBA scouts uh, is not not to his liking. And uh, Marcus, obviously, being a legacy player himself, with his uh, grandfather being some double great uh, Joe Caldwell, and Marcus spent a lot of his years in the Valley here as it is, uh, may be inclined just to, just, just to come back for one more year to see if he cannot improve his, his NBA stock. And and maybe it's also a situation where without Josh Christopher, without Ray Martin, without Alonzo Verge, Marcus Baggett can be even a bigger focal point uh, on, on this team. So uh, it's going to be inter- interesting uh, interesting to see if, if that happens. So, again, I mean, I don't think anybody should be floored if both Kimani Lawrence and Marcus Bagley uh, come back. But I, right now I would put a better chance of being uh, Lawrence rather than Bagley uh, uh, coming back which again, I mean, would would really really help uh, this this ASU team uh, in terms of just uh, production and experience. Well, Hode, a very nice rundown uh, of what we had to discuss here for football and basketball. Appreciate you as always, and of course, we encourage folks to, to follow him on all social media at Devils Digest and get uh, signed up and logged into DevilsDigest.com. Appreciate you, Hode. Okay, thanks as always, guys.